Hey chatters, ever wondered where all the good stuff is when it comes to documentaries? Want to dig deep on topics like Australian or US politics, fashion exposés, music biographies, crime stories or athletes pushing themselves to the limits? Introducing DocPlay, the world's best documentary films and factual series all in one place. If you're a big foodie like Crab, we're sure you'll have no trouble getting stuck into films like City of Gold, Ants on a Shrimp, That Sugar Film or El Bully and that's just the beginning. With dozens of Academy Award winners and nominees, you're looking at the very best docs. This isn't YouTube. Give us a try today. Visit docplay.com slash chatters and get 45 days free access. That's D-O-C-P-L-A-Y dot com slash chatters. Welcome, everyone. I'm pleased to be here tonight to host the 2019 Chat 10 Looks 3 live from Llewellyn Hall at the Australian National University. For those of you who do not know me, I'm Brian Schmidt, the Vice Chancellor of ANU, and I am a self-proclaimed chatter, definitely a 10 uh, when it comes to chat. <laughs> Before we begin tonight, let's acknowledge the first Australians on whose traditional lands we meet this evening and pay our respects to the elders past, present, and emerging of the Ngunnawal Nambri people. I think we are all very excited for Annabelle and Lee's final live Christmas bumper show tonight. Although they need no introduction, I would like to congratulate Lee on her latest Walkley Award for Any Ordinary Day. And, of course, Annabelle's recent quarterly essay, Men at Work, Australia's uh, Parenthood Trap. Since I have a captive audience, last year, Annabelle, we became one of the first places in Australia to introduce 26-week fully paid parental leave. In your quarterly essay, you talk about how hard it is to get men to take it up. Well, here at ANU, in our first year, I'm proud to say that nearly 32% of all the people who took it up were men this year, and that's up by a factor of 10. And more than 25% of all the time taken off was by men. So, men. so we're getting there. Uh, and I hope that next year, when you're back, I can update the figures. Uh, but this captive audience, there will be many people from ANU, and so please remember that to all my future uh, staff parents here tonight, match your partner's leave, male or female. So... So I'm really keen to hear tonight what made the cut this year for Annabelle and Lee's favorite books, shows, movies, and recipes. And of course, we're all wondering, will we get another song? There haven't been many in the chat fest this year. Lee and Annabelle, it's great to welcome you back here tonight, and I'm enjoying this annual tradition. And as part of this tradition, Helen Garner, once again, is not here. <laughs> but I still think we need to welcome you truly in style. So first, 
let me help market some of your merch with my own attempt at a smug bunt here, live on stage. Brian, is that some sort of poppy seed? Is that a lemon poppy seed? What's going on? Uh, yes, that is indeed a lemon poppy seed cake with soaked Check in a luxur- luxurious lemon syrup. Made it yesterday. 24 hours for the syrup to, you know, get in there. So it's, it's good. Brian, just curious, um, any pine nuts in that? <laughs> well played. And no almonds either. Well played. <laughs> this is, you are the definition of a renaissance man, Brian Schmidt. You really are. Thank you. And I I actually own a bunt pan, so uh, I didn't even have to fake it. I'm going to actually take that bunt pan from you, just so... Well, you can keep it if you want. Sure, sure. No, um, but I can have some later, right? Uh, I could not love that more. So, we have a tradition here of making sure we give you both a musical introduction... And so I'd like to welcome our extremely talented head of School of Music, Associate Professor Kim Cuneo, to bring you in with a musical procession, or start you off. (laughs) Kim has asked to include the following disclaimer, though. (laughs) The only thing better than a tuba is hearing someone play it for the first time in public. Uh, Kim has spent the last week learning to play the tuba just no! for you. Over to you, Kim. I love the tuba, the tuba, I love you. We love, we love the tuba, the tuba's made for two. So come and play the tuba, the tuba's made for you. It says, I am an oompa, what Liesels says ain't true. <laughs> 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 come, Annabelle, the tuba is waiting here for you. And come, Lee Sales, the tuba, it really does love you. So come, my friends, say oompa, for what an oompa loompa sings, it makes the satire really sting. And scobo blush for two. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Annabel Lee, Brian, 
Dearly beloved all, um, here on this blessed, you know, Nunawal Nambri land, I'd like to offer a free music lesson <laughs> to Annabelle and Lee, because you can see the standard here at the School of Music. It's rather impressive. So any time you'd like, particularly singing lesson, come over, and we look forward to seeing you. But in all seriousness, thanks for a year of beautiful commentary, making sense of the difficulties of this world, and we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Kim, that was truly beautiful, and I'm proud the university has been, given, been able to give this show the dignified introduction that it truly deserves. So without further ado, Annabelle Crabb, Lee Sales for Chat 10, looks 3. Wow. They are, they are raising the standard of the introductions so high now. It's just, it's intimidating now. It is, and yeah. I think, the tu- I mean, how long was he been playing the tuba? Well, like, I, one I, week. I think they said that he just had to learn it this week. I'm, I'm just so the bomb acne the- would still be forming. <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> just it'd be, it'd be developing right now. Um, I, I just could only imagine, you know, poor Kim when he's just, you know, doing his job and then he gets a call from the vice chancellor's office. Um, Brian would like to see you. Um, and then he goes in to see Brian, and Brian's like, yeah, look, I'd, li- I'd really like you to by next Sunday night <laughs> have uh, mastered so the So he's kind of my boss, but uh, that sounds weird, but I guess. Is this, is this actually in my KPIs? Like, if I don't do it? Um, I think, given the wildly over-the-top achievement of that introduction, I mean, the baking plus the tuba, is it, should we tell the news about the thing? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. we should. I think you should, yeah. Do you think? I mean, yeah. probably get in trouble. No, I think not been let's announced just, yet. Let's just share it here. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, look, you're a discreet group. Uh, <laughs> let not the um, uh, penetrability of these walls to bushfire smoke uh, be any indication of their security, gossip-wise, um, in the other direction. So, look at the ABC. As you know, uh, it's a time of tightened belts, but we do have a few great creative projects underway. And I think, look, I'd like to share with you something really exciting about the ABC slate coming up for uh, potentially next year. And it's a kind of like, how would you describe it? It's sort of like a comedy. Sort of like reality sort reality? of. Reality? Yeah. yeah. Sort of reality drama. It's, it's a real sort of genre crossing. Very, very funny. Uh, almost absurd, but deeply Australian. It's set in um, a university in a in a regional or almost a bush capital, um, <laughs> uh, presided over by a, like a genial euphonian playing a Nobel Prize winning sort of wine growing geek uh, who. Uh, all of a sudden, like, life's pretty peaceful, and then suddenly the position of Chancellor is taken over by this globe-trotting fashion icon. Uh, Glamazon former, sort of yeah, ex-foreign foreign minister. minister. Yeah. Anyway, like, hilarity ensues, uh, especially, you know, when you count in the just minor bullying of the head of music into various yeah, kind of... that's a whole episode. Anyway, so the working title is Schmidt's Creek. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Um, now, before we get into business, uh, somebody here is celebrating their 21st birthday and they've done it by coming to the Chat 10 Canberra show. Yeah, baby. Emily, where are you? Just go, woo! 
And your mum, Alyssa, told us, and so we're going to make everyone sing happy birthday. Just a quick one. All right. One, two, three. Happy Happy birthday birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Emily. Happy birthday to you. Hip, hip. And hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. And thank you for bringing... Thank you, Emily, for dragging down our average demographic age. (laughs) Very, very handy. Also, Bonnie, who's 14, is here tonight as well. (laughs) Yes. Very helpful in that respect. You've absolutely cancelled out a few of the, um, you know, older chatters here, which is like not what we're looking for. I was so happy to be able to to be the person to start the singing of happy birthday because something that I notice happens all the time in the office of it's wrong key, wrong Wrong key. key. Oh yeah. It I'm, always starts with something like, happy birthday. Yeah, and you're like, I can't keep this up. It there. I can't keep it up. <laughs> happy birthday to you. <laughs> and then once you've, once you've got that wrong key, oh, can you get out of it? Just, it's going to no, be. And then sometimes you just, and you realise you've started singing a bit loud and you're so <laughs> flat, <laughs> but you can't quite back down. Yeah. It's just like you've got to commit it's like um, when you have to sing the national anthem. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's presentation day, uh, you know, kind of season for primary schools and secondary schools. And at our primary school, uh, we sing uh, the second um, verse of the national anthem. Now, yes, that really sorts the wheat from the chaff, but I can remember it from my primary school, so I'm like... Yeah, I know about this, yeah. <laughs> Ours is done to taped, oh, we're getting really off track now, but to a taped thing, we also do the second thing. But they do like, in, it's sort of a syncopated thing, like, which is sort of, yeah, I don't approve, but, you know, just, I just roll with just it. Just yet another thing that you just slave through, you know. I just, like, but, like the happy birthday in the too high key, I just, oh, yeah. Okay, um, I guess we're in. So, um, a couple, I can see the smoke, I mean, it's... A, it is indeed not an emergency in the building. It's a bit of an emergency outside the building. Um, I just wanted to say hello to the chatters who are um, supposed to be um, occupying a few of those empty seats. I can see like a handful of them and I know that there are some chatters who are very excited to come here but were not able to because the King's Highway is closed. So I don't know. We're going to have to find a way to reach out to those people because and thank you to those beautifully thoughtful chatters who... Um, even though they were annoyed about missing tonight, reached out and found friends in Canberra to take tickets, and that's um, unsurprisingly generous uh, for this group of people, but we miss you this evening. Speaking of generous, who's our charity tonight, Toots? Ah, right, Carinya House, uh, popular, popular returning charity. As you know, um, well, we've, we've kind of paired up with Carinya House before. Great local organisation, um, very busy this time of year, helping women and their babies who are struggling, having a tough time, and they do just awesome work. They've expanded their activities quite markedly in the last few years, and so we felt like they really... We, we've come back to them because they're so awesome. Right. Now, to answer Brian's um, sort of query about whether there would be musical content. Yeah. Well, hello. Yes, there will be. It's a contractual um, obligation, really, for this for this event, right? It is, actually, yeah. yeah. So, Annabelle Crabb, genius that she is, has once again written her 12 Days of Christmas. Shall we? 
And I just know that now I'm just going to be I'm going to be in the wrong key, but I'm always in the wrong key, so that's right. I rely <laughs> upon your you wedding singer vibe. On the first day. Of oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On <clears throat> one, the two, first. What? You can't start. You just got to got to do a one, a two, uh, a one. Come on. <laughs> but do you want Kim to come back and conduct it? No, it's fine. All right. Let's okay. just do it. All right. Okay. <laughs> on, on the, the first day of Christmas, I saw on my TV surprising news from Anthony. By the second day, the verdict was very clear to see. Three more years for Scott and a big new job for Albanese. On the third day, my friend Tony Abbott showed to me choirs of holy singers peeling in Warringa as he met his first street library. I just, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, the, the voters of Warringah have come up with this extraordinary thing. I mean, nowhere else could this idea have been generated. I mean, I just, I am absolutely knocked flat. <laughs> On the fifth day, a gift came from the Wallabies. Israel Falau. Damning hot gay hunks, queer steampunks, atheists and drunks. And glorious when speech is this free. On the sixth day of Christmas, the PM gave to me code red inside the PM and C. Panicking execs and depth sex quickly changed the sex of a gender fluid lavatory. Such a Canberra gag, guys. Come on. Didn't work in Darwin. All right. right. On the seventh day of Christmas, the sports world gave to me. Horse trainers cheating, Israel are tweeting. Gays go to hell. Kyrgios's gob costs his job. Jesus, what a knob. Can we get a second ash party? Yeah. Give us one more of those, ladies. On the, On the eighth day of Christmas, the government gave to me John Setka cussing, Albanese fussing, lawyers discussing integrity. Scott Morrison pounced, bills announced, but none could pronounce the correct name of the entity. CFMEU. CFFMEU. That's not right either. It's CFM. Such a pain. It's too hard. Right. Remove a union. Look in the mirror and take something off. All right. On the the ninth day of Christmas, the good old AFP came to my house and went through my undies, seized all my emails. What am I accused of? Doing my job. Dutton says bad luck, you're just stuck, whining journos suck. Can we please just have a press that is free? On the tenth day of Christmas, Prince Andrew gave to me. Yes, we are going there. Ten jaws are dropping. Christ, he's not stopping. What is he saying? How is pizza relevant? It's a royal knockout. Sacked by your mum. Lee 
lead a quiet life with your first wife. Stay out of strife. And for heaven's sake, stay off the TV. On the 11th day of Christmas. That's all I wrote. Just like, I'm sorry, all right? It's just been, I'm really tired. It's been a very big year, you know, and this day, it's 10 days of Christmas this year. I hate to tell you this, what? but also I did notice that it leapt from on the third day, Tony Abbott, to on the fifth day. Nine days of Christmas. Nine, it's a 25% discount this year only. Blame Naomi Wolf. I mean, it's her fault. You can all piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. That's shocking, isn't it? But like, <clears throat> it's... Um, look, I think. Oh, I just noticed all of my awards that I've received this year are here. <laughs> How did they get here? <laughs> Have you got any here, Annabelle? Um, just, okay. Hang on. There's some under. There are. Oh. <laughs> no wonder well, she's cross. The worst person. Ever created. Look, I've been avoiding it because I knew you'd do this, and it's so childish. <laughs> but it's funny. But like, it is true that since um, since we last met here, she's got more hardware on her lapel than the Chinese military has in its entire <laughs> reserves. So there's like, we may as well play a little game. There's her OBE or whatever it is. What is it? Uh, the Order of Australia. <coughs> Which I'm surprised to find doesn't just have the little discreet pin. Yeah. There's also this real banger. Like, where you would can, you actually like, wear that? Yeah, well, I don't I did know. Not, I'll tell you where I did wear it the day after I got it. I had my PJs on in the morning. I was making the kids Vegemite sandwiches and I put it on and I made one of the kids take a photo of me making the school lunches and I texted it to the girls and said, just getting the kids' school lunches ready. <laughs> <laughs> but the great thing is... That, like, on the first actual event you attended after you got this bauble, you, yeah, you went to the chief executive women's dinner, which is basically, it's kind of get out your lapel, you know, hardware. Well, I sort of... Did did you wear it? Did you remember to put it on? I forgot. But also, I just, like, you know, in this discreet room, I would just, I would feel like a bit of a wanker. (laughs) Like, yeah. Brian Schmidt's wearing his tonight, by the way. I guess this is our farewell tour. <laughs> he's, not, he's not wearing the ribbony one. He's just wearing the, like, less of a wanker one. Right. But just, oh. like, discreet. <laughs> I'm actually blushing for you right now, love. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, God. Sometimes unscripted is the best humour, <laughs> Anyway, um, so but you you went nude, so to speak, to that to I this, did. and then you ran into somebody oh, quite ran into this lovely woman that I realised was the New South Wales governor who had given it to me like a few days earlier, and she goes, "Oh, where's your uh, Order of Australia?" I went, oh God, there's like you know, two thousand people in the room, and that's the one person I've run into. Oh. Look, anyway. it's it, you have like that's very tough. I will, yeah, that's really hard. <laughs> I know a lot of people's hearts are going out to you right now. 
Uh, it's a very common problem. Experience. You know. <laughs> um, there's your Walkley, of course. I think, what, what is this latest one for? You've got a Walkley in about eight different divisions. This is for, this is <laughs> for you cartooning. Know, really tricky knitting. <laughs> <laughs> No, for my excellent for, cartooning This is for book work. writing. You've also got some giant thing that says, congratulations, you've, won, you've, you've sold a squajillion <laughs> books. So you're just like followed around by a little respectful train of publishers carrying your, you know, whatever. <laughs> this one's quite embarrassing though. This is for 25 years of service at the ABC. They gave it to me last week. <laughs> it was sort of mortifying because I, I feel to... like it says you're unemployable anywhere else. That's what I feel like it says. I went to the presentation ceremony of this one, which was the funniest thing I've seen since a couple of minutes ago when you just sledged our eyes. Um, where, so anyway, um, Lee's absolutely brilliant executive producer, Justin, lined it up and he told me that you tried to cancel it about 15 times, including agreeing to attend some management training seminar like on the same time. She's like, yeah, I'm up for that. I'll go. Yeah, I'll do that. Like, no, you can't. I just, and then, just mortified so I turned up just to watch you squirm, and it was very pleasurable because everybody was making speeches about you, and you were just every single thing was crossed, <laughs> and you had you had this kind of polite oh. grimace on your face. It was so good. And then at one point, because I was just taking pictures of you throughout because it was so visually amusing, and then, and then, I then at some point you. you just looked over and just went. <laughs> I didn't realise you ABC were there. ABC Fat Cat can't even be pleasant when receiving a lovely medal. <laughs> um, do you know, it's Callum um, and I, um, one of the producers on 7.30. Hot Callum. Always, um, there's a segment, it, it was on for a bit of time at 7.30 and it's not on now, it's called The Two of Us and it's two people who are close for whatever reason and they talk about what they like about each other. And Callum and I... I put myself up for that so many times and somehow oh, I just never get the callback. I don't Callum know and I, it's both our idea of absolute hell like it just it makes us really squirm like we just think oh that would be so bad and Callum always says to me like if he ever had to do it because we say imagine if the two of us had to do it he, he says he'd be like yeah Lee, Lee is a, a colleague um <laughs> we we work together closely four days a week and um that's been going on for about two and a half years and that's pretty much all I've got to say and I feel like that would be an outstanding tribute <laughs> Anyway, it was a golden moment for me. But Thank can you. I just so Justin, um, as Crab mentioned, the executive producer of Seven Thirty, who's a lovely human being, made an incredibly beautiful and heartfelt um, speech, which you hated. Well, it was very touching, um, and then he had very um, kindly and thoughtfully collected some contributions to read out from people that I've worked with closely over the years, all of which were unbelievably generous and lovely as well. And then he got to Annabelle Crabs, and I'd like to share it. <clears throat> I'd like to share this one with the group. Crab. There's a lot of alarmism around about drought, bushfires, the tanking economy, the China threat, and the erosion of press freedom in this country. But when is someone going to cotton onto the crisis that's crept up on us unnoticed? I'm talking about the chronic and worsening shortage of available space on Lee Sales lapels. <laughs> Once she adds this long service bauble to her Order of Australia, whatever Walkley she just won last week, the Legion of Honour and the Noble Order of the Garter, where do we go after that? There are only so many baubles a Carla Zampatti jacket can stand. 
I urge you, it's time to rethink this madness. Also, can someone please remind her that this one is not (laughs) merit-based? It it ends with, I'm getting sick of having to curtsy. (laughs) I think it went down very well uh, on the whole. It did, actually. My colleagues were laughing their asses off. At me, not with me, I fear. Now, um, so the Canberra show traditionally, as as, um, Brian Schmidt AM (laughs) said... Oh, so have you got an AM, Brian? No, No, you're an OAM. Because the the AM is the super posh Are you an AC? Oh, my God. Oh, God, right, okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That shit just got worse. (laughs) That's the really important one. (laughs) That's who you should be curtsying to. Um, So you're saying? So we, Canberra, it's it's always about our favourites of the year. Everything we've consumed, we sort of um, run through. So we're going to kick it off with favourite TV. There was a lot of good TV around this year. I loved a ton of stuff. Um, I'm going to just tell you what my highlights were without summarising them because, you know, we've talked about them at length on the show. Succession, fantastic. Fleabag season two, absolutely amazing. Fleabag season two. Afterlife, Ricky Gervais show. Still a bit just raked over after Fleabag season two. It was really good. Afterlife, Ricky Gervais' show. Sex Education, beautiful little um, show on Netflix. The Bureau on SBS On Demand, French spy thriller. Loved it. Line of Duty, British cop drama. Loved it sick. Um, Happy Valley, another British police drama. Awesome. But I think my absolute favourite among a list of probably, since we've been doing Chat 10, my favourite year of TV viewing um, is the Up series, 7 Up, 14 Up, 21 Up. And they brought out the next instalment this year and they had all of them. I'm not sure if they're all still on there, but they were all for a while still on um, SBS On Demand. I was homesick that week and so I binged a fair bit of it in a short period of time, which was actually quite an unsettling um, experience to just watch these people that you become very fond of sort of ageing in rapid time. And it's just, it was just such a reminder of life and what life's like and that every life is sort of unique and beautiful but also sad and a slog and hard. Um, and the final uh, one that came out this year, I think it was 52 up, um, was was it 56, 52? I can't remember. Six, 56. 52 is probably numbers. not divisible. Catcher at the budget. Yeah. And, the, and the clue in that is that 52 is not divisible by seven. It's <laughs> probably why Brian's got an AC and I've only got an AM that I didn't know that. Um, it, it was Nick, who was one of my favourites, who was the uh, kid who grew up in, I think it was in Wales on a farm and he went to university, moved to the US and became a, became a physics um, professor. Um, he had cancer and was quite ill and uh, I tracked, I think I said in the podcast, I tracked his email down and sent him a note and he sent one back and it was just, yeah. it was. What? You didn't tell me this? Really? I think I've said it on the podcast, haven't I? You might have Maybe said not. it less engagingly last time, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he sent back a really, uh, a very nice note. And I, I sort of, in it I said, look, I'm, you know, I just wanted to write to you to say how much your story has touched me. And I know that it's been, because they all say in the series, how much of an invasion of their privacy it's been over the years. And I said, can I just say, despite all of the hassle it's brought to your life, thank you for participating in it every single time. It's such an invaluable public contribution. And he sent back a very nice note, which was lovely. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Thinking how much um, media has changed in the years since that series started. 
Um, and the way the world has changed, the way we exchange information, the way we transfer intelligence, the way we pay attention even has changed. And I think, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that makes us feel anxious about this modern age is not just, you know, smoke everywhere and all the things that we wake up and think, oh, my God, what's going on uh, about every day, but also just this sense that we're losing focus, we're losing our ability to remember things and that the universe is full of too much information that is rapidly shifting. The fact that this series can still have such deep appeal and provide this quite remarkable um, long, long-term storyline is just hugely touching, I think. Oh, unbelievably so. And also just that with everything that's changed in the world since the first episode of that show, um, how much people at their core remain the same, like that all of those people at 56, that you can see that seven-year-old child, like it's unbelievably affecting. Um, And just you you sort of, you know, by 21 up, I was just watching everyone with bated breath thinking, because you're so invested in them, just thinking, oh God, how's life going to be going for, you know, that this one or that one? You have watched a lot of TV those I years. I have, yeah. But like, sadly, my, when you get to my reading and stuff, it's not so good. But anyway, what about you? Okay. Um, well, um, I've watched – I mean, there's, I've watched sort of a certain amount of television this year. I've been reasonably busy working, so, you know. <laughs> no, but her day is different from mine because she gets home and is all buzzed at, you know, 8.30 and then you need to, <laughs> like, calm down by watching some television. Yes. Um, but I um, there are a couple of things. M- most recently, I've just absolutely smashed through and loved Total Control on the ABC, which has just been. And like, <laughs> in some of the comments, people are like, "That's not the real House of Reps chamber," or "That's not the real Senate chamber," which I reckon is like totally camera people just going, "No, no, 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 that's the wrong chamber." <laughs> it totally is. I know you're all the commenters. They're all in this room. Um, and I did also notice that, but thought, well, you know, it doesn't really affect the story. But uh, <laughs> just the performances, I mean, and the direction, Rachel Perkins directed it, obviously, and uh, Deborah Mailman, who is just a goddess walking this continent, um, and Rachel Griffiths. It's just, it's, it's an outrageous collection of very, very talented women, and I just, and the final episode in particular is hugely gripping so if you I don't know if you've started I haven't yet, yet so you've I'm queued it up Christmas, I know yeah. yeah um so that that's been a real sort of blast for me in the last part of the year also I just recently um binged through um Tim Minchin and Chris Taylor's new series which is just just launched I think on Foxtel and that's also a very Australian kind of road movie that is epically charming and also just um, illustrates something diabolical about Tim Minchin that you really kind of only remind yourself retrospectively after you've left one of his concerts or listened to one of his songs or whatever, you know, with your nose running and you're just like, you bastard. Like he's like very, very funny, very, very musically talented and just is a, this operatic heartstring puller. Mm. And um, I... This is a little series that's very easy to binge. The story is that Tim Minchin is this sort of down and out musician, got a bit of a dark past, bit mixed up, bit hopeless. He's driving a, gra- a, a an upright piano across the Nullarbor border Perth from Sydney for reasons that are not entirely clear. I mean, how clear could they possibly be anyway? Um, 
And then he has a car accident and smashes into this um, girl who's played by Millie Alcock, amazing young actress, and it becomes this unlikely road movie. They kind of team up and they're both, you know, very, very messed up, but they kind of rely on each other. And the final episode um, is... I, I was just bubbling snot out of my nose and oh. and cursing the man. Um, it's the series is created by Chris Taylor. Um, it's beautiful and also stars Heather Mitchell, one of my very very favourite actresses, who is just absolutely godlike in this. So um, I really enjoyed that of late. Um, I uh, the single like few minutes of television that I enjoyed and rose out of my seat to salute when I watched it for the first time thinking, is this actually on television? What's going on? Is episode um, uh, eight in season two of Get Cracking, um, the episode where Nakia Louie and Miranda Tapsell take over the set of Get Cracking. It is so, um, it is shocking, gutsy, hilarious, confronting, amazing little slice of television that um, I think shows those two women at their absolute peak, you know, um, provocative, outrageous, brilliant. Um, I couldn't love them more. And I loved that little slice of TV and um, I've watched it a bunch of times. Um, But to be honest, like, and this is terrible and disloyal of me because it's not an Australian production, um, but the television program that I watched (laughs) this year that made me just completely curl into a ball of horror and joy was Fire, the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) The documentary about the Fire Festival. It is the worst disaster but it's sort of okay because it's a disaster that's happening to idiots. Oh. So it's sort of like... So you know the story, right, we've talked about it on the pod much earlier in the year, um, which is uh, it's, it's the documentary about these lunatics planning the fire, spelled F-Y-R-E, alert! Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it, it is a complete debacle and the documentary team have just it's captured the absolute guts of this lunatic enterprise falling it's apart. Worth, it's worth and watching for one scene oh, alone. Yes. Yeah, which is. anyone yeah. that's seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I won't that's spoil it for the right there. Anyway, um, that just, yeah, I've, it, I felt like I'd had the full colonic up <laughs> watching that uh, show. Okay, favourite film? Okay, so here's where I just went, uh, what's my favourite film? And I'm like, wow, how I, just, I feel like I've not seen that many films this year. I saw Frozen 2 yesterday, <laughs> y'all. Wow. Talk about a movie that's got to look in the mirror and take one thing off. <laughs> However, my six-year-old gave it 10 out of 10, so ah. I guess, you know, the critics have spoken. Um, but I did actually see on a plane a great movie um and uh i can honestly recommend it as my favorite movie that i've seen this year even though i've not seen that many many this is not a um this is not a kind of um honorary embarrassment prize um is the film parasite i don't know if you it's a south korean film um it won like a billion prizes at Cannes. it is um it's this sort of it's a black black comedy drama suspense not quite a horror but it's just it is 
the most extraordinary um, film, and it's about a, um, a very impoverished family, um, mum, dad, and uh, two adult kids, who live in a basement, um, and they are completely out of work, and they're looking for work, they're living absolute hand-to-mouth, and a friend of the son's um, is going overseas to university and he is leaving a tutor position with an obscenely wealthy soul family and uh, called the Parks. And so he hands over the job of tutoring the young Park daughter in um, English mathematics, I can't remember what they're tutoring in. And, um, and so the son goes to work in this outrageously well-appointed household. It's huge. It's a mansion, got incredible grounds. And then one by one, he manages to recruit the other family members to come and take other roles in the staff of this family by various nefarious means. And it, it gets incredibly... Because they pretend they don't know each other. <laughs> and so it's incredibly tense, very, very funny, and you have this mounting sense of horrible suspense that it's about to go ass up and you are not wrong. It is a great movie. I really <laughs> loved it. Yeah. If... If we're going on the film we've seen the, much, there's, the, the most, there's only one film that I've seen more than once, which is Paddington 2. Um, <laughs> so, and I loved it. Um, and I don't know if anyone here has seen it, if you've got children of the right age. Hugh Grant is so funny. I was screaming with laughter to the degree that the kids were like, Mum, why are you laughing so much? And it's partly because Hugh, the character that Hugh Grant is playing is an ageing actor past his prime. And he's just, he does it in a really knowing sort of way. And including in his house, they have shots of Hugh Grant with the foppish, you know, four weddings and a funeral hair and so forth. Oh, God. I just, I was, he is, he was absolutely hilarious. Um, but my favourite was The Australian Dream, um, which is a fantastic film. And I really recommend seeing it. It's the um, Stan Grant, um, ABC produced documentary about Adam Goods, the one that has Adam Goods' participation in it, talking about his experience. It's, it's really incredibly um, moving. And regardless of, you know, I know people have very strong opinions about Adam Goods. Um, whatever your opinion, I think it's just worth going and listening and, and hearing um, that story from his end. If you enjoy Chat 10, you can visit it. Well, that's going well. <laughs> if you enjoy Chat 10, you can visit it. <laughs> What my friend is trying to say is if you enjoy Chat 10, you can visit our website, www.chat10looks3.com. What are we actually saying? I can't remember. No, no, keep it Like, this is gold. Keep it going. Okay, visit visit our website. You can follow us on iTunes and leave a review. Um, Our website, Chat 10 Looks 3, just Google it, you'll get there. We've got a link called Bedside Table where you can buy books. Sometimes we have merchandise. You can download the podcast. Um, It's about it, isn't it? Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. You're the greatest. You're so good at this. Favourite non-fiction book? Um, I had two. I've got about 15, so, yeah. (laughs) How are we going for time? Stop looking um, at the thing. Brian said we're fine. <laughs> We've got a lot to get through, so... I know.
Um, favorite nonfiction book: Three Women by Lisa Tadeo, which I really loved. A, a, a number God, I feel of people, like that was five years ago, I but know. that is just this year, right? Yeah. A number of people have said to me that they didn't love it um, so much, or that they liked, you know, one story more than the others, and so forth. But I thought it was a really quite gripping work. Um, also, The Spy and the Traitor by Ben McIntyre, which I talked about on the podcast, which was um, a Russian spy who is working for British intelligence. He gets busted um, and goes back to Russia. Um, and then the Brits have to sort of, or he's under suspicion, the Brits then have to exfiltrate him. And it's it's just an incredible story. And it just, it reads like fiction. It's just really, really gripping. I do have a bit of a list, and I'm sorry about that. Um, you can I rattle through it pretty I fast. I do love a I do love a nonfiction read. Um, so I've sort of divvied it up. Um, I think the I read a very very funny nonfiction book earlier in the year called "This Is Going to Hurt" by Adam Kay, who's a junior doctor working in the NHS in Britain. It is, I mean, you know, kind of farcical doctor dramas are, um, you know, not unprecedented, but it is so savagely funny and it's yeah I loved it and it made me laugh out loud it's got a few full tragic moments too but um I I will absolutely and have handed out that book to various people and I'm um I recently read uh Lindy West's new book um which is a book of essays I love Lindy West a couple of years ago she wrote the book Shrill um which is about being a sort of loud funny angry woman and uh, she's so excellent. And I'm just going to read a tiny little bit, even though I know that you're annoyed no, no, with I'm me because you're like, what, you're still going to read that bit? I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> so um, this book has got, I mean, even the chapter titles are so good. Like there's one um, that's just, is Adam Sandler funny? <laughs> I just love the gall of just entitling, like thinking, well, I'm going to write an essay about that. Um, and there's one that just I loved so much, um, the title of the uh, essay is, Ted Bundy was not charming. Are you high? <laughs> and what she writes about in her incredibly funny and um, observant way is, do you remember like earlier this year, there was this, this thing happens sometimes in popular culture where there's this little efflorescence of documentaries and films about the same thing. Sometimes yes. it's about a, sometimes it's about an anniversary, sometimes it's just totally random and I can't work it out. Like that clutch of Winston Churchill films. Yes. Last year. When and Truman think, Capote, remember when Capote came right. out? And, yeah, and you think, so did you all just get the memo? I mean, were you at the same conference? What's going on? Um, well, there was a bunch of Ted Bundy content earlier this year and, um, and, yeah, the reflection about Ted Bundy is always like, well, he's so charming and so good looking and so kind of adorable. You think, yeah, well, apart from the whole, yeah, that's the point. Uh, so that's the point she makes in this essay, right? She says, I have to say it was a little annoying when in January 2019, everyone on earth suddenly became Ted Bundy experts because of Netflix's four-part documentary series, Conversations with Killer the Ted Bundy tapes. Like, excuse me, some of us have had the Wikipedia page list of serial killers by number of victims bookmarked since 2006. <laughs> and it was only published in 2005. Also, a hot, hot read, list of fatal bear attacks in North America by decade. <laughs> Likewise, the great true crime podcast boom of Trump's America has been both an irritant and a boon. Like, 
Yes, it's my food, feed me my food, but also please acknowledge and honour my lifelong interest in sexual knife crime. Um, She then juxtaposes it, and this is what I love about Lindy West. She says, it was interesting to observe the renewed national conversation about Bundy in light of another national obsession incubating at the time, the early stirrings of the 2020 presidential campaign. Watching otherwise rational human beings rhapsodise about Bundy's charm and brilliance while furrowing their brows about Elizabeth Warren's dubious likability creates a particularly American kind of whiplash. Elizabeth Warren put herself through Rutgers Law School with a toddler at home, held endowed professorships at the University of Pennsylvania School of Law and Harvard Law School, became perhaps the most influential expert on bankruptcy law in the country, has been a US senator since 2012, and is now arguably the most principled and policy-driven candidate in the fight to wrest power from a profligate dictator and lead Americans to help save our dying planet. Ugh, off-putting. I hate it when mummy makes me brush my teeth. Far more likably, Ted Bundy pretended to have a broken arm so that he could rape, bludgeon, shoot and stab women. It's just, she does not hold back ever and that's what I love about this woman Um, and that book is just uh, giving me endless pleasure. So that's on my laugh out loud and also generally confronting awesomeness list. Look at you, I'm not done yet. I'm not quite done. I'm not, okay, so... um, also, in a division of its own, Yellow Notebook, I mean, everyone in this room will either already be reading it or just have sort of mounted it on there. And Helen Garner, I won't go on and on about because God knows we've spent enough time, but it is the most, I don't know, it is both a comforting and a disturbing read. It is the diaries of a woman who is learning how to write. I mean, she's already pretty amazing at it uh, when she starts the diaries but I think the secret of her power and like she always she repeatedly um, fusses in this book about I'm never going to write a big book I write about such small things I write about things that I observe and I just try and scrub the prose as clean as I can and it annoys me when I read that a bit because I think the thing that she's attempting is actually quite enormous and it is to comprehend all of these different stages of life and setting of temperament at the same time and in the same language. And it is such a complicated and fine judgment proposition. And I really don't know anyone else who can do it as well as she can. And one of the most confounding things about these diaries is how early she was doing it. And that is why she is a national... The thing that amazes me reading it as well... I won't well say because it's just... She'd never write that, and I'm embarrassed to say it. How when you're reading um, a diary, and it's like a series of disjointed, you know, anecdotes and observations, that nonetheless a narrative of kind emerges, almost like as if you... It's sort of a bit shadowy and a bit... You're watching through, looking at through a curtain or something, but nonetheless a narrative does emerge and you feel like you want to know what happens next. It's absolutely gripping, and I don't... Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't be... I mean, if you explained it to someone, they'd say, well, that's not very... It's a bit disjointed, and some of the stuff is random but it fits together into this kind of constellation I suppose which is what I mean when I say that I think what she does is enormous because it attempts so much 
even though she's so hard on herself. And I actually think that that is one of the keys to the quality of her writing. I mean, whatever criticism that would could ever be made of her, she's already made herself a million times and combed through. At one point she says, I'm going to go home and I'm going to curry comb that novel that I've written. I'm going to curry comb it so I weed out every second adjective and extra adverb and that is what she's done. So what you end up with is just absolutely sparkling. However... I think it's supposed I, to be your favourite. You can't just list every book you've read. You, li- you listed about a hundred million TV shows, Dal. You <laughs> yeah, did. but uh, like this: Succession, Fleabag, blah blah blah. <laughs> well, that wasn't very interesting, though, was it? I mean, like you know, it was just like, oh yeah, depends. You just Google that. <laughs> anyway, I like my. I think my favourite non-fiction books of the year, and this is just because you know, Ghana is in a stratosphere of her own. Um, from Secret Ballot to Democracy Sausage by Judith Brett and You Daughters of Freedom by Claire Wright because they tell this such a spectacular story, not only about the history of our democracy, which is a bloody amazing, unique and underappreciated organ in this country. I mean, we have a very unique system and I think that book by Judith Brett explains just exactly how rare and unique and original it is. And it is something to be bloody proud of. Um, and Claire Wright has brought all of these quite extraordinary women kind of out of the shadows to talk about um, what was achieved and the leadership role that um, Australian women um, played in the suffragette movement. And it is next... Um, week, December the 18th, is the 125th anniversary of South Australian women getting not only the vote, but also the right to run for parliament. And the story actually is told in both of these books of how that happened. It was an unbelievable, amazing legislative misfire. It happened by accident, essentially. And it's such a gripping story. And it's in both of these books, actually. And um, the, the South Australian anniversary is actually... It's sort of in some ways it's an easier anniversary to celebrate than the um, 1902 bill, uh, the suffrage bill that gave white women the vote in Australia because the, um, the South Australian bill applied to every woman, black, white, and there were women who got the vote at state level in that legislation, then had it removed in 1902, then get back to the 60s, which is pretty shocking. Anyway, I shut up now. Great books. <laughs> Favourite fiction? <laughs> You've thrown it back to me. Make this quicker. Okay. Um, so I loved Lanny, as you know, Max Porter's beautiful, beautiful book, poetry into a novel. It's one I'm going to disagree. Yeah, no, you didn't I love it. it impenetrable. Yeah. yeah. But I, uh, I just found it entrancing. Structurally, I thought, how am I going to like this? I loved it. And um, if you do get a chance, listen to the Sydney Writers Festival um, podcast. That was outstanding. Of Michael Williams um, from the Wheeler Centre interviewing Max Porter. It is, I think, to this day, the greatest Writers' Festival session I've ever attended. It's just magical. So if you're driving somewhere or doing the vacuuming, fire that up. It's really good. Um, more recently, um, and I'm a bit torn between my kind of winners. <laughs> I know. Um, Charlotte Wood's The Weekend, I read only recently. It is just such a spectacular book, I think. Yep, um, loved it. Yep. 
I've talked about it before, so I'll just say that <laughs> Just it, last it, week, in fact. Well, yeah, in, no, no, we did. We in, okay. we in detail right. in the last pod. I'll just in repeat that. In fact, we got a lovely it, letter from Charlotte Wood herself to that's say That's true, she which was it, terrifying which was so because nice. yeah. she's a listener, ladies But it was so great because she said um, what we had talked about. She said, oh, it was so great for an author to hear that because what you guys talked about and the thoughts that it had made you have was what I hoped that people would think about when they were reading Well, that it. is lucky because imagine if our conclusions about it were like, she's like, yeah, dudes, that is not what I Such meant at relief. all. But, um, <laughs> anyway. It's a good uh, summer read too, that actually, if you're on holidays, oh, you'd love it. Yeah, totally. Um, um, but I, I, you know, so that and um, The Yield by Tara June Winch, which is just a magical, magical book, I think am I kind of like, I can't pick one. I'm sorry. It's terrible. I'm lame, aren't I? But I'm, I'm going to go for Fleischman is in Trouble by oh, Taffy Bredesarachna. Yeah. Even though, interestingly, um, like a lot of people have mentioned to me that they've read it because they know we've talked about it on the podcast. Even just tonight, somebody came up to me out the back to say, um, didn't really like it. I'm going to disagree with you. Somebody stopped me in the street to tell me <laughs> that they that they were like, oh, I just want to stop it's you. It's a total me. divider. Like, I it mean, is, I've, yeah. I've met some people who are just like, nope, um, no, couldn't bear it. I just found it absolutely entrancing. And I, 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 it was, yeah. t- I found it utterly gripping. I could not stop reading it. Brenda Conroy, wherever you are, you will love it if you haven't um, read it. It's my friend Brenda who's here. We've got very similar taste in things. I know she would really, really like it. <laughs> um, could have texted her that privately, I suppose. <laughs> Um, favourite podcast or listening experience this is where I had trouble um, picking because there were a few this year that I absolutely loved one of them was Dolly Parton's America now I I don't feel what a surprise I had no idea you liked that yeah I I, I, I could do another recap, but I don't feel I have to. But I will. I would say I think that the quality has dropped off a little bit and the last two episodes have not held my interest as much. What's happened is they've hit a point where they've had their episodes that have been in the can and then they've, they're now making them, not, not in real time, but they're sort of, it's caught up basically. Um, so they're absolutely crapping themselves because it's been so huge? Yeah, think? I think so. And so they've had, they had one week where they, it was just a musical collection of um, music that had been commissioned for the podcast. And then the next week um, they had sort of an episode that they went to a college where there's a a course called Dolly Parton's America um, and talked to some students there. And it's just not quite so tight and the insights aren't quite so amazing as in the first um, few episodes. So The deconstruction of Melody for you was the high point. That was pretty good. You've bored people to death at dinner parties ever since with that young. Do you know what? I actually watched on YouTube this morning a fantastic thing about John Bottom, (laughs) the drummer for Led Zeppelin, about why is John Bottom such a good drummer. And I really would love to talk about it, but I'll save it for people that I know would be interested. Brian's like, (laughs) can you switch her off? (laughs) But Oh, I'm just, it's going to pain me to let that go because I'd like to talk about it, but I'm not going to. Um, I, so Dolly Parton's America, the episode, I talked about it in the Hobart show. It was heavyweight episode two about Gregor, who was the guy who lent Moby the material that became... That is just haunting. I listened oh. to that on your recommendation. I just, I don't know where to look when I'm listening to it. It was a cracker, wasn't it? Yeah. You just Absolute cracker. I just could not stop. What, what an anecdote. Amazing. Um... I think my favourite is going to be the Slate Slow Burn podcast about Monica Lewinsky, um, which was just gripping from start to British finish. Actually, Brenda, you'd really love that too. <laughs> you haven't heard it. Um, uh, it you just 
I'd forgotten so much of the detail uh, and just the way that they structure it. it it's And they go back and talk to some of the key people, uh, including Linda Tripp. Well, Linda Tripp Trip is particularly... That's particularly yeah. notable. Um, so, yeah, that was... I think that was probably my favourite listening experience of the year. So, I... Um, I loved a lot of things um, and I'm going to keep it super crunchy and crisp. Um, I... I haven't listened to The Dollop for a while, um, although there are some um, episodes of that podcast. This is where two comedians make a podcast about American history and one of them tells the other some sort of forgotten episode from America. Some of them are just absolutely laugh out loud, but they also really can cut to the chase on um, profiles and major events like the Enron one is really good because you're sort of like oh yeah Enron oh god yeah that was actually appalling wasn't it yeah and you kind of really rediscover the the amplitude of the debacle and I listened to their um episode on Ronald Reagan it's a two-parter quite recently and it was just absolutely gripping and also had so many parallels to America today just um particularly the main thing was you know how this um character of you know pretty loose living individual could capture the support of the religious right in America so comprehensively and I does think it that go, that's does it range over is it the whole Reagan presidency or is it an aspect of oh it's it goes from his childhood oh yeah okay. so it's the whole life and right. the Donald Trump one's pretty amazing as well I mean you know get them as a box set for someone you want to really upset um <laughs> over Christmas um, but they're also super, super funny. Um, don't play them around children because there's so much cussing, um, but it's very funny. Um, my Discovery podcast of the year is definitely the Two Peas podcast. Oh, you know. yeah. Sorry. Those gals are so great and such a force for goodness in the world and they are just so funny. We met them actually in um, Melbourne not long ago and they are just exactly, exactly as you would imagine them. I just could not love them more. But I also, I think like at the end of the year when I look back and I think of the thing that I have been glued to that's really moved me um, and been very nourishing um, is actually something I listened to very recently on your recommendation and that's The Boyer Lectures by Rachel Perkins. Oh, yeah. And it's just, I don't know, like it is scholarly and poised and full of patience and um, optimism mm. and all of these characteristics that you don't often enjoy in peace at the moment. Um, and it charts this, it's a three-part lecture series, um, it charts great suffering and difficulty but also is possessed of this intense grace and um, I just was very moved by it and I absolutely recommend it it's it's yeah, wonderful listening were, I love that actually I had her on 7 30 last week um, and so if Clang. you're interested you could watch that interview okay your favorite thing on the internet this year okay Tony, Tony Abbott meets a book library is the thing that I probably watched <laughs> it's the thing that I've watched the most it's just so brilliant and it just, I don't know, it's just, and I love all the memes that sprang up with people like, it's a hill's hoist, I've never seen one of these before, like, amazing, <laughs> just like, it was, I don't know, I just, I just love it when Australian politics just gets, you know, when people just 
rip the piss out of people and it's like <laughs> it's well-meaning it's just sort of oh my gosh it was a great episode I watched it a lot of times <laughs> so on the YouTube where it's like two million views about 1.8 million of those are mean uh, <laughs> but um, I also really really loved Jeremy Vine's Boris Johnson story and um, I, I mean we'll put a link through it's it's a journalist's account of turning up to speak at the same event that Boris Johnson was at and goes through this incredibly bizarre um, routine where Boris turns up late, doesn't seem to know who he's addressing, tells this pointless joke, has them all in stitches, is totally incompetent, and yet the audience is just like, this guy's awesome! And um, it is it gives you a tiny insight into the um, the appeal and also the thorough originality as a creation of this political entity. I think that Johnson and Trump have something very important in common, and that is that they both have designed their own political ecosystem in which they operate entirely alone. They've um, adjusted people's expectations of what a leader will be like and what they um, what they won't do and what they will do. And that is a... Um, it's a very powerful thing to have achieved. It's also quite frightening. Anyway. Um, I, uh, there were a few things that I loved this year. I think Marina Hyde is the preeminent columnist in the world at the moment. <laughs> I mean, she is on She is so off the chain. Fire yeah. every single week. But I think among a, a, just a stellar body of work, um, Marina Hyde, Wagatha Christie column that I read aloud to you. Um, where, where, where was that? I did um, somewhere. Gold I read, Coast. Where was it? Somewhere uh, I read it aloud to you. And I don't it know. Maybe fantastic. it was like Monaco. Um, <laughs> it was Shanghai. Great. Um, Vegas. I, also, I can't remember. I also have subscribed to the Red Hand Files, which is Nick Cave's blog, where people write right. to him and ask for advice. That's how much I've loved it. It now comes to me in my inbox when he put something new in there. Um, but I think my favourite, actually, it's it's not as intellectual as those two things, but it's Sam Mack's Instagram account, um, which I've <laughs> talked about before, Sam Mack, the Sunrise Weatherman, because he does a community service and he makes me laugh every single day. Um, he just has... <laughs> just the silliest antics you could possibly imagine. Like, for example, every time he ca- gets a flight, he seems to be seated in seat 6C. It'll <laughs> have a shot of him with his boarding pass with the song, I'm sexy and you know it, like I'm sexy and you know it. And it's just like, it's just so not funny. And yet you just laugh at it every single time. The more times he posts it, the funnier it gets. So, yeah, it's just like, if ever I'm just feeling down, I go, let's just go see what Sam's doing. I mean, I don't know him at all. I've never met him, but I just, he's like my little sort of buddy that I follow online. And when you first disclosed to me your fascination with this particular account, you <laughs> said, um, Crab, it's the sort of stuff that I would do if I could get away with it. <laughs> and the truth, the shocking truth is that she would try and do that if she thought she could get away with it. Yeah, he often does stuff. I think, oh, that looks it's so true. fun. Favourite recipe. Now, I have not had a year where I've done a huge amount of cooking, I must admit. Um, well, I have, but nothing fun. I love this whole podcast. It's just like, so what's your favourite? Uh, yeah, I've just, I just haven't seen any films or cooked anything <laughs> this year. Yeah, Thank anything. you for giving up your Sunday nights for this. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Just been hanging out, really. Just sort of, you know. Uh, I do tons of cooking, but it's just like boring everyday food for the boys and for me. Um, but I, I 
would what say would you one for thing? yourself if you were home by yourself, not cooking for anybody else. Like, what's your go-to? Oh, I'm just cooking for me thing. Um, look, I, I actually will cook like proper stuff that I eat for work for dinner at work and lunch. But if it was like just tonight, if I was home alone, I'd scrambled egg, just nothing, yogurt, sixteen crackers with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you all haven't done that. Um. So, I, the one thing I have done is I... Yogurt, that's the saddest one, then, isn't it, mate? <laughs> finally... Like, would you get a bowl for that or would it just no, be straight out of the... Uh, straight out of the tub. Um, okay. I have finally... The cookbook that I've cooked the most from in recent years, and I sort of raise it every Christmas edition, is Community um, by Hattie McKinnon, which is still fantastic. But this year... There's a I've, new, there's an, um, there's a new um, edition of that out, actually. Right. Um, Bless her. The one that I have moved to cooking the most from this year is Simple by Yotamoto Lenghi, which um, he brought that out because he said people complain that his recipes have too many ingredients and they're too complicated, <laughs> which is true. Um, and I'm happy to report that Simple is actually simple and everything I've made out of it has been delicious. And he, at the start he says, okay... Fair cop, I still do have a few weird ingredients, but I've kept it to, you know, six or eight or whatever it is. So if you're going to cook from this a lot, maybe just go get yourself some black sesame seeds or whatever the other stuff is that he uses. But the, the one recipe, again, if it's just what have I made the most this year, uh, it's a dessert called sweet and salty cheesecake with cherry compote, which it's one of those ones you look at and you go, mm, this could be really yum or it could be really Um, the cheese it's sort of like a deconstructed cheesecake none of it's baked it's really easy it just all goes in the fridge the sorry the one thing baked is like the crumbly thing um the cheesecake is um feta cream cheese and then your other bog standard cheesecakey stuff lemon rind egg blah um and the number of times you've said blah is just like not encouraging (laughs) is anyone else feeling that (laughs) the crumble then gets sprinkled over the top of that instead of as a crust. It's um, almond meal, crushed up toasted hazelnuts and black sesame seeds, all of which gets toasted actually. And then the cherry compote's just your bog standard put some cherries in it. Just your bog standard. Bog now makes an appearance (laughs) in this dessert. (laughs) Orange rind, star anise, you know, on the stove, sugar, blah, blah, blah. Pour it over the top. (laughs) Uh, It's, it actually all of it all of it individually tastes a little bit funny, but together it tastes really good. And the crumble thing... That sound you hear is Yotam Otolenghi unfriending But Lee, everybody else seemed to love it. The crumb... It's so delicious, the, the flavours. There's quite a bit left over, and so then I was having it for breakfast on... Um, Tell me if you think this actually passes muster for breakfast. I thought it seemed reasonably healthy, but my friend Andrea stayed over one time and she said, that is like dessert. You're eating dessert for breakfast. Frozen raspberries, Greek yogurt, fresh passion fruit, honey, Yotamata Lenghi's crumble. <laughs> that is Hands up if you think that's fine. an acceptable breakfast. That's fine. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay, good. Okay, well, there you go. I'm really glad I came tonight. <laughs> All my recipes, um, I, I mean, I've just cooked the normal stuff this year mainly. I mean, I just, um, I haven't forged forth into anything um, massively ambitious, uh, but I have got a new kitchen. And I've got to say, it has 
absolutely changed my life. And I, you know, like, so we moved into our house 10 years ago and it, the kitchen was already a bit, like, old. And But I hate throwing things out that are not finished with yet and I hate the landfill of, you know, just sort of constant renovations and whatever. So I thought I'll wait until this kitchen is a total busted flush and then I will have earned a new kitchen by then, by that stage. And dear God, have I earned this kitchen. I, I, I don't really know how someone who cooks and likes cooking as much as you coped no I just it was I the thing that is great about changing is that over those 10 years I have absolutely worked out the things that needed to change yeah so for instance the things that I no longer do that I used to do are in no particular order um crying and cursing as I try and find spices in my old spice accommodation system, which was like two really ratty old plastic baskets with stuff shoved in. And so I have had times where I'll be like, well, maybe I'll make that sticky gingerbread. Where is the ginger? I don't even know. It's too hard. I don't know. I'm too tired. I won't do it. But now I've got this drawer that's just full of jars with the name of the spice written on the top of the jar. So I just pull it out. I'm like, oh, hi, Ginger. You're right there. <laughs> Ground cloves, whole cloves, whatever, next to each other. I know where you are. Come here, cinnamon. Jump in. <laughs> and so it has, it's almost, it's almost arousing, actually, I've got to say, <laughs> if I'm honest. It is, it's quite, it's an actual pleasure and um, the other thing that I've done, and I could have done this at any second in the last 10 years, um, I've got my roasting dishes under my oven, which is a double oven. So I've got one metre of oven, a 60 cm and a 40 cm, so I can do a roast and a pav at the same time. Uh, and then I've got a cupboard up here that's just baking trays. So I don't have that thing where the baking trays and the roasting trays are all mixed up together and you're yanking and you're swearing and the kids are like, what's up? And they're, nothing! I'm fine! I just, I'm like, and I've got a little rack thing, so they're just like, pluck, pluck. I'm making some biscuits, so I'll be needing three of those baking sheets. No problemo. Oh, well, I need a cooling rack as well. Maybe I do. Not a bead of sweat upon my brow. So I would just say that um, that has been my great recipe this year is just Having a new changing kitchen. it up in the what kitchen. What about your favourite Chat 10 moment of the year? Actually, my favourite Chat 10 moment is probably the moment where I asked the Chat 10 uh, Facebook group, um, do you have any good ideas for spice storage solutions? <laughs> It was like that moment where Kim Kardashian did the thing with her ass and a champagne glass, you know. Remember when the internet broke? Don't you remember that? No. It's the most confected, massive internet moment ever. I, I clearly... God, am I dreaming this? Am I dreaming... Did that, ha- did that happen? Do you remember the thing with... She did this picture where she sprayed her whole body gold. Oh. And listen to you. Ow. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. And she balanced a champagne flute on her you know, not insubstantial ass, and then she poured a bottle of champagne into the glass balanced on her ass. It was an amazing picture. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And 
she kind of tweeted it or something, and it was like, this is going to hashtag break the internet. And I think it sort of did, like, people definitely... It was an amazing picture. Sorry. <laughs> Just to settle a, a, a tiny mental illness issue for me right now, can you put your hands up if you can remember this? Right, right, oh my right, God. right. It wasn't just me. That wow. definitely happened. Okay. Brian remembers it. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a Nobel Prize, so pretty sure that's case closed. Um, anyway, why am I saying this? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so it's, like, it's like one of those terrible dreams where you're like, and anyway, then I realised there was 2,000 people and I'm talking about <laughs> Kim Kardashian's ass and uh, yeah. But uh, so just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chatters just like, here's what I do with my spices. And some of them were excellent. Uh, some of them were just exactly like my existing system. Uh, so, uh, but I did actually, I saw someone with a drawer with jars and I just went, that is what I want because I don't want these like piddly little containers where, you know, you buy a packet of, you know, spice, you know, ground ginger or whatever and then half of it fits into the little jar and oh, then yeah. you're like, well, now I've got a jar and a stupid <laughs> thing with a peg on it. Like, come here, pantry moths. I'm exposed. Move in. So, uh, thank you. It was. It, it's also just the funniest thread full of weirdos. And they, uh, they, 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 I mean, my kind of, like, I'm that weirdo. But um, also, I love that I posted it at about, like, 5 p.m. And all these people were like, oh, I'm posting. I'm cooking right now, but I'm also posting. <laughs> so good. I had three favourite Chat 10 moments. One was the first episode of this year, which was also our 100th episode and our first ever guest, which was Yotta Motolenghi, which was, he was just the most divine person. I just loved meeting him so much and enjoyed his company enormously. Um, I think he sort of preferred me, but like... uh, (laughs) My other two favourite bits. Except that he follows me and we're just, we're a bit in touch, but anyway. (laughs) So, go on. Um, Finally getting you to dress up as Brian May and me to dress up as Freddie Mercury for the Sydney concert, that was, I just was so happy, particularly when Danielle stepped back from doing your hair and it was just a full, like, square, curly Brian May. It was just one of the greatest moments ever. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty awesome moment for me too, And as also I, I did absolutely love the time that I made us write an alternative plot to the Top Gun sequel. <laughs> I loved doing that so much. Remarkable mainly for the fact that at the point where you proposed this, you had already finalised the copy <laughs> for like yours. So. That is true. And it just, it best, was... best clang of the year. I had um, three as well. Margaret Atwood, that was thrilling to get to meet her. Um, Joanna Lumley, my favourite interview of this year for 7.30. She was divine. I can't even tell you how great she made everyone in the whole room feel. Um, and... Monica Lewinsky, the crazy experience of meeting her and then sharing a car with her to Melbourne Airport was just, <laughs> like, off the planet. Um, so, yeah, that was meeting Monica Lewinsky, I think, for me. So, my clang of the year, apart from Otlangi, just I'm just genuflecting, um, was um, quite recently I met Yale Stone. Now, I know that that's not a unique clang because you interviewed her. And, in fact, when we did this um, event last year, we were all kind of like, oh, that's the end of the year. It wasn't for sales because she actually flew off to New York in secret. It was totally in the – like, it was un, in the cone, right? I don't think I even knew until afterwards. And um, because she was going to interview Yale Stone about Jeffrey Rush, you know, it was like – 
to my mind, it is the preeminent Me Too interview, and you did it nearly a year ago um, at the end of a really, really long, tough year. You went, okay, now I'm going to fly to New York and back in 72 hours and interview Yellowstone. Uh, it was such a good interview, and I um, think that the amount of nuance and intelligence and perceptiveness that she brought to that interview was remarkable. And I went to see her in the Beauty Queen of Lenane the other night at the Sydney Theatre Company, and I just I rushed her and fawned over her afterwards and said, I'm a friend of Lisa Hills! <laughs> Which is like, yeah. So she was like, yeah, hello. <laughs> but anyway, um, she's just a really significant contributor, I think, and um, I was thrilled to meet her. Now... That's our best of this year. What are you planning and what have you been saving up to read and watch over summer? So many plans. Uh, So we're actually – we're starting filming next Saturday on Series 2 of Back in Time for Dinner. I know, right? It's like I'm so looking forward to seeing that show. The fact that we're shooting it all the way through the holidays is kind of like, all right, let's go. Um, but the Farones are back um, and they are just the greatest people. So we're putting them through some dreadful paces. We're doing 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, 90s. I know. So there'll be some good shoes towards the end of that period. Uh, got a good bit of interwar fashion, some terrible cooking, some depression, some, you know, um, uh, wars, obviously. So, um, lots of, lots of detail. Um, so while I'm sort of sitting around waiting for television to happen, I'm going to be reading Anne Patchett's The Dutch House. Um, that's very high on my list. Um, Anna Crean's Age of Grace, which I've had on my bedside table for a little while now and can't wait to crack into. I'm going to read Kylie Reed's book, Such a Fun Age, which I've, um, heard reviewed very strongly around the place i'm going to keep cracking delightedly through the latest series of the crown i've heard mixed things about it actually i've not started it yet but i've heard okay mixed... so it, as you know and this is a hard change for me to adapt to <laughs> the queen is now olivia coleman yeah uh but i mean anything turning into olivia coleman is generally a good thing in my view uh she plays it in a completely different way um and of course, uh, Princess Margaret is now played by Helena Bonham Carter. Fun fact, I used to live around the corner from her in London. When I lived in Belsize Park in the mid, uh, God, when was it? I don't know, early 2000s. Yeah. She was a great local crazy lady. I once ran into her. She was pushing a shopping trolley with like fantastic, like she was wearing designer clothes, but also chopsticks in her hair. And she was just like, <laughs> you are awesome. Um, and she's great in this too. Um, I'm going to watch Succession, I think, which I haven't yet. Um, and I just started this afternoon listening to... Have you heard George's podcast, which is um, the BBC podcast that absolutely scooped the podcast awards in Britain just recently? Um, it's a podcast by George the Poet, who um, grew up in sort of an estate in northwest London, um, child of Ugandan immigrants, went to Cambridge. He's very brilliant. He's a poet and rapper, and he's done this podcast, which is can't really describe it. I've listened to an episode and a half and it is, it's social commentary. It's about um, growing up where he grew up. It's about um, poverty, imprisonment 
and then it takes you a little while to realize that it is all in verse. Oh. It is like nothing else I've ever heard. It's a bit magical. Wow. Yeah. Um, I am, I've been <laughs> great sort of discipline saving the crown to try to watch over um, summer, so the crown season three. Um, Morning Wars. Prepare to love Princess Anne. That's all I'll say. Okay. Morning Wars, which is the show about breakfast TV with Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon. So many people have told me that it's really great and that it sort of is nuanced and fantastic. So that's going to be my other TV viewing. I have just recently, probably my favourite TV of all time, um, and I mean, you know how much I love the Americans, I love this more than the Americans, um, is The Sopranos. And for whatever reason, periodically, every few years, I feel like, oh, I just need to watch The Sopranos from the start. And I just last week started season one, episode one, back to The Sopranos. Um, and just am reminded, like, all of this great TV we talk about, it's really all thanks to The Sopranos, which is the first, you know, no, seriously, it was the first big blockbuster where people thought, TV is going to be the new film because the quality of this is so phenomenal. And just, yeah, watching James Gandolfini again, it's just, oh, God. I, I just, I can't even imagine that he exists as a human being outside of being Tony Soprano. I mean, I know he doesn't now because he died, sadly. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but he is just... He embodies that character so comprehensively. It's just so amazing. So I'm going to keep watching that. Reading-wise, I want to read Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. Glasses have gone back on. She means business. Um, Also want to read The Dutch House by Anne Patchett, whose work I enjoy. Olive Again by Elizabeth Strout. Olive Kitteridge is back. And also, like The Crown, I've just been saving that so I don't start it when I'm busy at work or something and drop the thread. Bruni by Heather Rose. Um, I absolutely love Museum of Modern Love when it came out a few um, years ago. And so I'm saving A lot this. of chatters reading Bruni right now. And Unreliable Memoirs by Clive James, which um, bizarrely enough was not – I used to like Clive James when I was a teenager, but it was not one of the books I read, strangely enough, which is really odd. Um, so Kathy Beale very kindly snaffled it for me from the ABC library, a very old-looking edition, and she said, I've booked it out for you till mid-January. <laughs> so someone's going to be complaining, oh, ABC fat cat hogs unreliable memoirs. <laughs> Probably a run on it at the moment, I would imagine, given all the attention on Clive James. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and on that note, allow me to hand back over to Mr. Schmidt, or Professor Schmidt, is it? Dr. Schmidt? Oh, stop Brian talking. Schmidt, Just stop talking. Oh, your Rear Admiral Schmidt. Your Excellency Brian Schmidt. Chair Professor Doctor. <laughs> All right. So my notes say, and I kid you not, reflect on the conversation and summarize. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I think maybe I'll pass on that. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have had an adventure as per normal. Uh, I have learned that I am a wanker, and... uh, (laughs) And because I'm a wanker, I've got you both gifts. (laughs) I've got... uh, I've got you things that are really going to be hard to take home because they're really heavy. Big, uh, big books for your coffee tables. Really hard to put on the airplane. We're driving. It's all right. Oh, okay. Oh, excellent. So, Annabelle, I asked the team to get you 
Capitol Hill Cooks, Recipes from the White House, Congress, and all of the past presidents, featuring uh, every president's favorite recipe, including George Washington's cranberry sauce. Oh, my God, that's To awesome. Barack Obama's The Obama Family Linguini. Unfortunately, we're unable to get it, so we got you something completely different. <laughs> which is a cookbook featuring great restaurants going back three centuries. So I'm sure that will be nice, light, vegetarian cuisine, just like you like. <laughs> For Lee, we got you something that is, uh, I, I, I have to admit, I'm not really sure why we got you the book we did, but it will go very well with all of your uh, regalia there to the side. It's Christian Dior through the ages. Oh, fantastic. And it will look great with the, uh, with the uh, AM on top of it. <laughs> She doesn't deserve it. She does not deserve it. 